Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. We are going to dismiss our breakliners at this time. If you're grades four through six, you can make your way to the back and through the lobby and up the stairs where Miss Jordan has something great lined up for you. I don't know about you, but I am sure glad that I'm at church tonight. I, have you ever just had one of those days? I know none of you have ever had one of those days. But I'll be honest with you, I was having one of those days today. And I uh, came into the room and started to kind of get focused. And even actually a little bit before I came into the room, I was upstairs in my office and just saying, God, I need to refocus. And, and then Pastor Seth is singing about seeing his goodness in the land of the living. And I was like, you know what? His goodness is all around us. Came in this morning and, and uh, Alan Newsom, who runs our Hands of Hope ministry, calls and he says, hey, uh, I don't know when this happened, but somebody stole the catalytic converter off of the Hands of Hope truck, and uh, so we can't take it out. So he was scrambling because he had a good team that was going out and doing a bunch of deliveries today, and so we dealt with that with the sheriff's department and some other things. We've had a couple of vehicles that have been uh, stuff stolen off of them in the last few months, and so it's just one of those things that starts things out, and then just little thing after little thing after little thing, and so I I said, I'm going to refocus a little bit. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, you know, God, you are so good and you're doing so many good things. Super easy for us. I I don't know how you are, but super easy to like pay attention to the negative things. But can I tell you something that happened this week? In our our outpost in Malawi, they had, uh, I think you got the picture here, but I just want you to see this. 121 kids in kids' church. They are just busting at the seams, and we are so excited to see what God is doing there. Amen? So sometimes we got to just like refocus. I pulled that picture up on my phone before I asked Seth if he could put it up there, and I was like, pay attention, Jason. Pay attention. God is good, and he's doing a lot of good things. Amen? Amen. God is great. Sorry. Where's Jimmy at? He's going to catch me on that every time now, brother. Um, well, we are in a series that we've called, that we've said it called don't stop believing. And, uh, if you haven't been with us, we're just looking at Hebrews chapter 12. I've encouraged you to read it. If you can read it daily, I think that would be good. It's not a very long chapter, so it wouldn't take you that long to do it. Maybe every day, if you haven't been doing that, read it in a different translation. If you've got the Bible app, just change the translation and get the wording a little bit different. But here we are in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to start with verse 14. It says this, work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments as we look at your word, I pray, Father, that you will reveal to us what we need to hear. God, I love this chapter. I love your word, but... Lord, as we dig in and just look at some specific verses, I pray, God, I know that your word is so powerful that it will meet us right where we are. So God, I just pray that we will get out of the way, that I will get out of the way, and that, Lord, you will be front and center. 
We give you all the praise. And Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in Star Valley, Wyoming, and what you're doing in Malawi, and, and God, just what you're doing in East Missoula, and what you're doing through the ministries of this church. And God, we just praise you because you let us be a part of your process. So Father, I pray that we would never take that lightly, but that God, we would be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So there's just a couple of verses here today that we're going to dig into, and I want to start by just looking at at uh, part of the first verse as we see that um, there's an important section that we're just going to like land on for just a minute, and then we're going to move on to what the main point is. And the, and the one that I want to look at is, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Now, the reason I wanted to, to click on that for just a second is I believe that for many of us, we live in a time, and I keep bringing this up because it's so important, and I'm hearing it more and more often, that there are a lot of people that are, that are preaching this false doctrine that says that no matter how you live your life, you'll be fine. That there is no, there is no uh, hell or that there is no uh, place where you'll be judged. And as we look at this, we, we understand that the author is saying, listen, you are called to be a part of this thing. It's not just that, that he, God has grace for you. He does, and his grace is enough for you. So if you come into this room today and you go, man, I'm messy and I've done stupid and I keep doing stupid, can I tell you, God has grace for you. Amen. He has made a way for you so that you can spend eternity with him. But inside of this, there's still a call inside of us that has to be where we are moving towards him and we are trying our best to be as much like Christ as we can now don't get me wrong, because you're going to fall short of that standard. You're going to. We all are going to fall short of that standard. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't still be striving towards that standard. So I just, I wanted to touch on that for just a moment. And the, and the place that we're going to spend a little bit more time is in this, in this place of understanding the root of bitterness. So listen to this. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Poisonous root of bitterness, it talks about, and it, what that's saying is it, it is corrupting, it is defiling. So that comes right after he had talked about, hey, you should, you should strive to be holy. But then he says, bitterness will corrupt you. It will stop you. It will keep you from being who God calls you to be. Now, this is a tough one for many of us because unforgiveness is kind of one of those things that most of the time when we feel it, we feel as though we're all right to have it because of what the other person did to us. Anybody say amen to that? You know what I'm talking about. But if something is corrupt, it is no longer holy. And the author has just said that we need to work on being holy. So out of that, unforgiveness... Uh, is, is one of those things that will stop us from moving forward. So how do we watch for this? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 2, it says this. In the way you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck, uh, at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye? I was, going to, I was going to have like a two-by-four out here and hold that up to my eye, but I couldn't afford a two-by-four anymore. That would have been like the most expensive illustration we've ever done. Um, just kidding. Uh, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold the log in your own eye? 
you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So as we look at this particular passage of scripture and we begin to understand in, in Hebrews chapter 12 what it's saying, we need to realize that for many of us, we, it is very easy when somebody does us wrong, when somebody hurts us, for us to hold on to that and to judge it and to, and to, and to act as though we're justified inside of our anger or our bitterness or being upset. And, and as we unfold this, what I want you to understand is bitterness is something that comes as a result of unforgiveness. So that's the path that you take. You may go, well, I'm not really bitter right now, but if you're holding any unforgiveness towards somebody, it's inevitable that that will lead to bitterness. And once bitterness takes root, it is very hard to get rid of it. So you may sit in the room today and you have things in your life, people in your life, deep wounds, maybe wounds that you've carried for months or even for years. When you think about a specific person that hurt you, it's still fresh as though it just happened. The pain is still there and there's still some amount of resentment. And you may even sit here today and go, why in the world would I ever wanna forgive that person who hurt me? I've had many conversations with people where they say, well, Jason, you have no idea how much they've hurt me. Like if you understood how I feel right now, you would, you would never ask me to do that. And why should I offer grace to someone like that. And I wanna give you three reasons why you need to offer grace, no matter what they've done to you. The first one is this, you need to be gracious to others and forgive those who've hurt you because God has been gracious to you. You will never forgive anyone more than Jesus has forgiven you. If you were to take a moment and just even write down the stuff that you've done this week, that goes against who God says you're supposed to be. Those lists would be pretty long, I would guess, for all of us. Because none of us, we all fall short. But yet, God is so gracious with us that he continually forgives us. But Jason, if I, if I let them off the hook, then they won't learn their lesson, right? How many of you ever felt that before? Like, oh man, they hurt me and I'm gonna show them, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ghost them and I'm not gonna talk to them anymore. Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, uh, you know, I'm gonna snub them when I see them at church. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk past them and not say anything because I'll show them. I'm teaching them a lesson. I'm really doing God's work here is what I'm doing. I'm really just trying to show them the, the error of their way. And, and so we really get, we get kind of pious and justified in it and I've even had people say, but how will they learn if, if I don't? But can you imagine? What if God had said that to us? What if Jesus, when he's about to go to the crosses, but God, how will they learn if there isn't shedding of their own blood? Man, I'm grateful that that's not the God that we serve. He so loves you that he says, listen, they are gonna keep blowing it. They're gonna keep making mistakes. They're gonna keep doing wrong. But even though they're going to keep doing wrong, I love them and I'm gonna teach them by example. I'm gonna show them what it is to be gracious. And then we sit back and somebody, somebody says something to us that we don't like or they mistreat us. And some of you, the wounds are way deeper than that. And I understand that. I'm not trying to belittle your pain. 
Because for some of you, it, it comes from a place of even like real abuse that you've suffered or real things that, that, that are, are really traumatic to you and really hard. And so you're holding on because I can't let it go because if I let it go, it's like I'm saying it's okay what they did to me. Can I tell you there's a difference between forgiveness and permission? You're not giving someone permission to say, hey, it's fine what you did to me. No, it's not fine what you did to me. For those of you who walked through a season of abuse, you're not saying what they did is okay, but what you are saying is that because God loved me enough to forgive me of all my stuff, I'm gonna be willing to forgive you of your stuff. The second thing is you need to forgive others because the alternative is bitterness. And scientists tell us that resentment is the unhealthiest emotion there is. It always hurts you more than it hurts the other person. Resentment will never change the past. It does not fix it. So you being angry and being unforgiving and getting bitter does not actually go back in time and make it not happen to you. What it does is it actually, so that thing that you go, man, that thing in my past, that really hurt me, or, or the way that that person treated me last week really stung, or, or whatever they did to you, you can go, man, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, is, is it kind of interesting that I'm preaching this message after I was a little bit angry with the dude who stole the catalytic converter today? Thanks, God. Um, but inside of this, we got to understand that, that that resentment will never fix the past. It will never take that thing away. It will never change what took place to you. But what it will do is the more resentment you allow to build up inside of you, the more angry and bitter you'll become. And the more you'll miss out on a lot of the things that God wants to do inside of your life because you're focused on the wrong thing. In week one of this series, we talked about framing things properly. And for many of us, we see, we see somebody that's hurt us, somebody that's done us wrong, and we frame it with, with uh, all of their sins. We mark them. We say, this is what they did to us, and this is how they hurt us, and this is what's wrong with them, and this is why I'll never trust them, and, this, and all of those things, and we frame it that way. But aren't you, aren't you glad that when Jesus looks at a picture of you, he doesn't list all your sins around that picture of you. Instead, he, he frames it in his blood, which takes away all of your sin. That's the God that we serve. And if we don't learn this, if we don't actually walk this out, it will destroy us from inside. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says this, guard against turning back from the grace of God, let no one become like bitter plant that grows up and causes many troubles with its poison. So as we, as we understand this, we need to realize that as believers, we don't have a choice because, because the Bible tells us that, that we are to forgive as we have been forgiven. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, give, it doesn't say forgive as you've been forgiven unless somebody does A, B, and C to you, then you don't have to. There's no, there's no subcategory. There's no like flip to, to the next page and it'll give you a list of things you don't have to forgive. Nowhere in the Bible does it do that. It says forgive because you've been forgiven. Now, some of you, you're like me and right now you're shaking your head. Yes, good, preach it. But you got stuff in your life that you know 
you're, you're re- like holding on to that you're not wanting to forgive. And for many of us, what you need to understand is forgiveness is a daily decision. If you've been hurt and it's been, it's been a bad, it's been something that's been really bad and it's weighed on you, then you may come to this thing tonight and you may hear this message. And my hope is that you'll come to a place by the end of what I'm talking to you about where you go, you know what? I've been holding on to that for too long and I'm about to let it go right now. And you do. And then guess what? Tomorrow morning you wake up And then you think about that person and you're like, oh no, I'm still angry. (laughs) And so what happens a lot of times when that happens is we go, oh, I guess it didn't take. I guess that didn't take. Well, it was a nice try. No, it's daily. So you wake up tomorrow morning and you go, you go, oh, I'm thinking about that person or that situation. And you go, ooh, still not, still not sure. And you go, God, I need your help. Because Lord, I don't want bitterness in me. I don't want unforgiveness to dwell here. I don't, I don't want that because God, you've been so good to me and you've poured out more grace than I could ever earn. And, and Lord, I just, I just need you to help me. And every day that you start to feel that well up inside of you, you give it back to him. Because bitterness is like poison and it will eat you alive from the inside out. Whatever you resent, it's likely that you will begin to resemble it. So stop resenting. To stop resenting, you've got to release it. That's the amazing thing about forgiveness is we really feel like when we forgive somebody, we're doing them a huge favor. All right, well, Jason guilted me into it now, so I guess I'll have to forgive them. But when we actually do forgive and release, it's a weight off of us. It doesn't even necessarily affect the other person. You're carrying around a bag that you don't have to carry. Jesus already paid the price for all of it. And he's saying, you don't get it. Why are you carrying that? There's no need for you to haul that around anymore. Let it go. Release it. The third thing is, You need to show grace uh, to and forgive others because God expects you to. Matthew chapter six, verse 15 says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. How many of you that's your favorite verse in the whole Bible? Anybody got the bumper sticker on your car? It's, it's my favorite. It's still true. Whether it's your favorite or not, it's absolute truth. Jesus says we cannot receive what we are unwilling to give. If you say I could never forgive a person, then I hope that you never sin. Because it tells us this is how, it's, this is how it works. In order to receive forgiveness, we have to be forgiving people. To truly forgive and live out grace, you've got to, going back to our first verse in this, fix your eyes on Jesus. So when you feel like you're having a hard time forgiving, fix your eyes back on Jesus and realize that what he has done for you and how much he continually does for you. 
Each and every day I need his grace. Every day. I've I've seen the discussions about can can you live sin-free and all this. I'd love to see you do it. I really would. I can't do it. I mean, I I hope I'm getting better every day. I hope I'm getting closer to him every day. But I'm just telling you right now, it's it's hard. And I think it's impossible for us in this world to not have sin come back into our lives. And so in those moments, we've got to go, God, I need you. I need you to help me. Like if you have a weakness, deal with it and and ask for his help inside of that. And that's all great. but, But we are not pure people except for through the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. So I was drawn to some verses that are in Philippians. Paul is remembering, he says this, Philippians chapter one, verse three, I thank my God every time I remember you. And you may go, that is a weird verse. What does that have to do with anything? Well, when Paul wrote this, he had been to Philippi and in Acts chapter 16, he tells us what, we see what has gone on. He was illegally arrested, he was whipped, he was humiliated, he was thrown into prison before he was finally told to leave town. And Paul writes them and says, I thank God every time I think of you. Really? Like that's what you're gonna come up with when, you, when you're writing these people? You had like a horrific experience in Philippi. So as I was thinking about that, I thought, what do we remember about people? What do we remember about our experiences? Do we remember good experiences with people or bad experiences with people? Now, let me, let me talk about that for just a second. I think that many times it is easy if we've had a bad experience, somebody did something that hurt us. Super easy. Every time we think about that person, we think about the hurt. But Paul, of all people, I mean, imagine you, whatever you're unforgiving right now, most likely it wasn't as bad as you got unlawfully imprisoned, you got whipped, you got beat, you got asked to leave town. And then Paul writes back, he doesn't go, even though my experience with you was not so good, I still am trying to find it in my heart to forgive that city and to still love you. He doesn't, he says, I remember you fondly. I remember, I, I, I wanna remember the good that came out of it. Now, if we could learn from that, that would be an amazing thing for us as believers to go, you know what? Even though this person hurt me, there was some good in, in that relationship or there was some good in that season that I walked through. He could have opened the book of Philippians and said, I thank God every time I remember you, I thank God that I'm out of there. What a horrible experience I had. I was beaten, falsely accused, mistreated, falsely arrested. The jail smelt like BO. The food was horrible. One star, right? That's how he could open the book. But he didn't. He focused on the positive. For many of us, what we need to realize, and I think it's just, it's so God that we would open this this, uh, time together in worship, talking about seeing the goodness. Because as believers, what we need to realize is if we're strangers in this land, if this is not our home, then we should look different than everybody else. How many of you know that, that, that it's easy to give a negative review? And, and I'll be real with you, I have the Yelp app on my phone, and I rarely think to give a review on Yelp unless I had a really bad experience somewhere. That's just being honest. I, I don't really think about it. But if all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I had a huge hair in my food, they didn't even apologize, blah, 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 whatever, uh, I'll think, oh, I should do a review on that. Because it's super easy to focus on the negative, 
But as believers, that shouldn't be where we live. We should live in a space where we find the positive in things. Where we figure out like, hey, this was a bad deal that happened to me. But in the middle of that, I believe that God is going to do something good. Because that's the God that we serve. So Paul chooses not to remember the painful. Instead, he's focused on the things that he could be grateful for. We often remember the things we need to forget, and we forget the things we need to remember. And I think for all of us, if we would get into a place where we'd say, you know what, I need to start remembering things that are good instead of the bad. We need to focus on the good and choose to emphasize the strengths. Many of us struggle with forgiving because we don't feel forgiven. See, a lot of us, when we can point to someone else's doing wrong, then it makes us feel better about ourselves, right? Like you mess up in your own life all the time and you know that and some of it's out in public where people see it, some of it's in private where nobody sees it. And so all of a sudden somebody in your life screws up and hurts you and does something negative towards you and so it's way easier to put your focus on that and to take the focus off of me. But the reality is, as believers, what we need to understand is our God loves us so much that he forgives us, even when we don't forgive ourselves. We need to start walking in this understanding of how great his love is for us and how much he does forgive us because God's forgiveness is ever-expanding. We can't run beyond its borders. We can't bankrupt that account. His grace container never runs out. Thank you, Jesus. I'd hate to think my conversion to Christianity is dependent on being perfect after my conversion. Instead, it is dependent wholly on God's infinite, indestructible, and immovable grace. And it is dependent on, if it was dependent upon my perfection, I'd have been in trouble a long time ago. There's always a flip side to our conflicts with other people. When we're hesitant to give grace, we forget that we too need grace. I often hear people who will justify either unforgiveness or even gossip, and they'll start the sentence by saying, I know I'm not perfect, but, and then they'll tell you about what the other person did. I know I'm not perfect, but did you know what they did? Because we want to compare to someone else. It makes us feel better than them. The reality is, is that even for us as believers, we've got to get to a place that when we, when we start to hear the negativity about someone else, we should be able to come to our brother and say, hey, you know what, man? I, it seems like you're really hurt. What can we do? Like, how can we make it right with that person? I'm not going to just listen to your story, but I'm going to ask you, how can we fix it? How can we be better? How can we not cause division? How can we not be divisive? Matthew chapter 18, if you haven't read it, spend some time in it. Jesus says that we will be judged by the standard in which we judge. Love keeps no record of wrong. And so if we actually love one another, if the greatest of all these things is love, and if without love we're making just a bunch of noise, then we can't hold the wrongs against our brothers and sisters. 
We're just not allowed to. And the problem, here's the deal, guys. The church has a bad reputation in a lot of places. And part of the reason the church has a bad reputation is because people will often find themselves in the church culture, and then they'll see how unforgiving church people are to other church people. And then they go, dude, they talk about love, and their verses say that, that love holds no record of wrongs, and they'll even say how much they love each other, but you walk through the room and you just hear one person talking bad about the other person because of what that person did to them earlier in the week, and it's just, it's a lie. There are those of you who sit in the room today and you genuinely have been hurt. You've been abused. Maybe you were abandoned. You were neglected. And it is hard for me as a man to stand here and say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't walk in unforgiveness because there's the part of me that I just want justice. Right? Like I want, if you were hurt, if somebody did you wrong, then I want justice for you. I want somebody to come and, and hurt the other person that hurt you. That's the man in me. That's what I want. But the believer in me knows that that's not the way that it's supposed to work. If we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. Romans 3.22 says this, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We all fall short. And as we talk about this idea of forgiveness, and again, we kind of have these degrees of whether I'm gonna forgive or not, but could you imagine if you were to, if you were to pray and say, God, I, I've blown it today and I really, I'm sorry and I need your forgiveness. And if you could hear God audibly say to you, you know, that was, that was a pretty big one. I'm going to have to give it some time. I'm going to need to heal over here. Let me just think about it for a while, and I'll decide whether or not I'm going to forgive you for that. First of all, it might make us rethink sinning a little bit more, but he's so gracious that the container that he uses never runs out. It's always grace. He always is willing to pour it out on you. He's always willing to see past your mistakes. He's always willing to see the best in you and to understand that he loves you more than you could imagine. And so as we think about this, what you need to understand is, is that we like to compare the size of our sins to each other. We go, oh man, I, I'm bad, but I'm not as bad as this guy, right? And that makes us feel better. But we shouldn't spend our time comparing the size of each other's sins, but what we should do is compare the size of our grace container to the Christ's grace container. Because his container never runs dry. It's always there. It's always accessible. All we have to do is trust him and believe. And when we do that, then all the stuff that we've done, he pours it out. He pours it out. He pours it out. How great is his love for you that he continually pours it out. And for many of us, we live our lives as though we've been given just a small amount of grace to give to other people. I got a little shot glass full of grace that I just keep over here and I'll use it very sparingly. Man, I'm grateful that God doesn't do that. I'm so grateful that his container is limitlessness. 
and that he will pour it out every time we need it because he loves you that much. But now my Bible tells me that my grace container is what he uses. So for some of you, you love to walk in unforgiveness. You like to be the victim. You walk around and you love to tell everybody your story of woe and how bad you've been hurt and how mean people are to you. And you don't ever reach into the refrigerator. For, I don't know why the grace container's in the refrigerator, but let's, it is. So you never reach into the refrigerator for the grace container. You got a thimble. And I'm just, and God's like, are you sure that's what you want to use? Are you sure that's the container that's going to hold your grace? Because he's like, man, I, I want it. I want it to be bucketfuls. But if that's what you're going to use, my word told you that I'll use the same container for you. I'm going to ask Pastor Seth to come on up and we're going to prepare for a little bit of worship. But as I was in worship earlier this evening and we were, we were standing there, I really was, was feeling that the spirit was saying to me that there are so many people in the room that, that even as Pastor Seth was singing that new song about, about we want to see you, we want to see you move, we want to experience that. For many of us, the thing that is the, is the blockade, the thing that's stopping us from going to the next level in our faith journey is this very topic that we're talking about tonight. You're holding on to things because you feel justified in it. You're holding on to things out of fear that if you were to release and forgive, that all of a sudden you'd be telling that person, you're fine with what you did. There's a difference between forgiveness and permission. You gotta get that through your head because you're not giving them permission to treat people poorly. But what you are saying is you're saying, what you did hurt me. But I know that I've done a lot of bad stuff too. And so I've received forgiveness from God. And so I'm giving it to you because I'm tired of carrying this around. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of being mad. I'm tired of, of carrying a weight I was never meant to carry. And I believe with all my heart that if tonight you would come to a place where it wouldn't be just like, oh yeah, we, we got taught this, so I'm gonna kind of think about it a little bit, but you would literally come to a place where you go, God, I've been holding this and I'm done. Some of you, you gotta send a text message to somebody tonight. Some of you need to make a phone call on your way out this evening. Some of you need to find somebody in this room that you've been holding stuff. And it's time to release it. And as I was praying about it during worship, I really felt like God was saying, if, if my people will release, if they'll let it go, they're gonna find a next level with me. See, oftentimes we want the next level without completing the level we're on. We want to skip a lot. This is a hard level. I'm going to skip. Anyway, I remember being back in the day when I would play video games back, like way back in the days, like Nintendo day, like Nintendo, whatever the first Nintendo was, right? And I, I was playing Mario Brothers. This isn't in my notes. This is just extra for you. I was playing Mario, Mario Brothers, right? And the, where it just goes across the screen like this and you're, doo -doo 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 -doo. you know what I'm talking about? Uh, come on. And I remember, I remember that like I would get to a certain level and I could not get past that stupid turtle at the end that would throw fire at you. 
You know what I'm talking about. Come on. I mean, I get, I get like level six or something, but then I get to level seven and that guy was really hard and I couldn't get past him. And then one of my friends at school said, hey, I got a cheat code. I'm going to use the cheat codes, right? Up, up, down, down, A, B, A, B, whatever it was. You do that. And then all of a sudden you get to pick whatever level you want. There ain't no cheat codes. God says you got you to gotta walk the process. And for some of you, you're ready for next, you want next level, but you're like, ah, I, I think I'm doing pretty good with all of this, but that one person, I'm not letting that go. I'm not about to forgive that. It was too much. It's too hard. And God's saying, you're not even hurting them. You're hurting you. So put the thimble away and pull out the buckets because as soon as you start using the buckets, God will use the buckets on you. I want you to level up. I want you to get to that next place. And for many of you, this is the thing. It's time to let it go. Whatever that looks like for you, tonight is the night. Let it go. Move forward. Watch what God does. And this thing that you thought made you better because you're holding on to it and you, you felt justified in it, you let it go and all of a sudden you're like, I could have been walking around feeling free. I had no idea. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes with me for a few minutes. This evening, I wonder how many people in the room right now would just be honest and say, you know what, I know, even as you're saying this, Jason, I know that there are things in my life that I've held on to that I've not forgiven. And tonight, I want to let it go. If that's you tonight, would you do me a favor and just lift up your hand right now, right where you are? There are hands all over. There are more than that. Come on now. Just be, be honest. What are the things in your life you gotta let go? Who's that person that when they come to your mind, your thoughts are not good towards them? You're angry and you even feel justified in it, but tonight you gotta let it go. I wanna pray over you right now and then we're gonna just spend some time in worship and as we do that, I wanna just encourage you, maybe just come to the altar as a sign, like God, I'm bringing this to you and I'm leaving it there because I'm done. God, I'm so grateful for your grace. And Lord, I praise you because you love us so much. That Lord, even while we were sinners, even while we did stupid, you see us and you love us and you want us. That's amazing to me. So Father, I just pray right now that you'll help us with this. This is a hard lesson. This is a hard passage to look at. But God, when we walk through the hard, it brings us to the amazing. So Father, I just pray for every person that had the boldness to raise their hand and for those who didn't raise their hand, but even right now, I just pray, Holy Spirit, come and, and, and Lord, talk to us, show us, reveal if there's unforgiveness in us that we will come to a place of releasing it tonight. God, as we do that, I pray, Father, that those who will do that and be sincere in it, and God, if they have to redo it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, that we won't quit, that we'll keep forgiving. 
and that, Lord, you'll bring us to the next level that only you have for us. We praise you tonight. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we sing? The altars are open if you want to come and spend some time laying things down. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.